Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapers, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. This is Geekscape. We talk movies, video games, comic books, pop culture. I like to sit down with people who make those stories, whether they be actors, directors, writers, uh, musicians, uh, working in movies, video games, or comics. And we talk pop culture. And I like to sit down with people and kind of pull the stories apart and kind of analyze why they tell them. That's the regular Geekscape episode. And you haven't had one of those in about a month and a half since Stan Lee died. <sighs> moment of silence um but that's what geekscape is and i'm kind of it's figuring out what's that and it is it's his birthday today and if you uh eagle-eared <laughs> listeners um recognize that voice that's ian kerner so what we're doing today is ian and i are recording a spider-man into the spider-verse special for you so this is different than most geekscape episodes here we are going to spoil the hell out of spider-man into the spider-verse but it's okay. It's been like two, three weeks since the movie's been out, so you should have been able to see it by now. Um, I went on vacation, so I was not able to record this episode before leaving LA. And then a week, I was on a boat with zero internet. Now I'm back in Austin, but Ian was out of town, and here we are, two weeks after release, giving you your Spider-Verse episode, which is fine. You've had a lot to do since then and now. Like, enjoy the holidays. Um, so, Ian... How are you? I'm worried that we're recording this over Skype in two different states. So I'm, uh, please give me a sign of life. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is different for us. We've it always... is usually usually we're sitting in your office. Yeah, yeah. Well, o- over the years, there've been many, many variations of how we've done it, but at least in the same room. Yeah, yeah. We've at least been in the same room. Um, yes. So here we are, Ian. Um, this is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We've had two weeks to think about this movie. Um, this is one that, at least for me, I started hearing uh, amazing reviews about this movie from the people in the press who had started, been able to see it. Our friends like Eric Francisco at Inverse. Um, our friends who had seen it were saying that this movie is arguably the best Spider-Man movie of all time, that it is uh, the best Spider-Man movie 
Um, it's easily like the like one. Of, it's easily one of the best Spider-Man movies. But but we started hearing things that were like borderline hyperbole for me. I was like, wait, what? This is the. I mean, I thought the movie was going to be cool, but and I have faith in the animation about department, but. You know, uh, like I, I, I was afraid that the, the concept was a little too high concept for mass audiences. And it you felt know, weird. It felt like they're really going to make a Spider-Verse movie. That's a yeah, you're right. That's a really strange concept, especially if they were to hold to what they were doing in the Spider-Verse comics, which they did not do. Right. But but they, they paid such great homage to it, you know, and I mean, one one thing about this movie is it's such a love letter to the comic books. It's incredible. I mean, down to sh- literally showing covers of comics with the creators' names on them, the whole thing, you know, it's flat out so totally and completely, you know, acknowledges where this story comes from. And you have like a, lots of Easter eggs, like you see like Romita ramen noodles and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, every creator seems to have at least their name in a street sign somewhere or something, you know what I mean? Where, where yeah. again, like you said, it is a complete love letter to not, not just Spider-Man, but comic books in general in describing this movie to people since we've seen it. I don't know if you could hear that. That was my email client telling me I have an email. So I'm going to quit that. Um, again, apologies. Geeks gave us, this is not how we usually record this, but I'm guessing you wanted your episode. So you're dealing with it. <laughs> you would not have waited another week and it would have taken another week for us to do this in person. So, um, in telling people about this movie, the animation style is a lot like a dynamic comic book style from the, the 2D cell shaded look, look that it's got to some mm-hmm. of the 3D stuff. And then when you start to get into the characters from various portions of Spider-Verse, they all have their unique animated styles. Yeah, which is awesome. It's, I mean, everything about this movie just felt right. Um, how do you want to start getting into the nitty gritty of it? Because I think it's pretty clear off the bat that we uh, we both loved this movie. I think it's 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 one of my favorite movies of the year. Now, do we want to tackle the is it the best Spider Man movie ever? Well, I mean, like, look, I think let's talk about it from, from a, a, a macro point of view first. You know, and that it, it's this big movie, and you know, my concern, knowings about Miles, you know, they still they do a great job of initially showcasing that universe is Peter Parker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we ultimately, initially we don't know, but we come to see that he's very much um, like a happy Batman, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a successful Spider-Man. He is a, fa- a beloved hero. He's uh, Everything's working out for him. And then you meet Miles, and you realize that this is not a 616 an ultimate universe that's been smushed together like the current Marvel universe is, this right. is the ultimate universe. And you realize it's the ultimate universe when you first see that first battle between uh, Peter Parker, or P- there's their Peter Parker and uh, and um, in the Green Goblin. And you realize, right. oh yeah, that's the ultimate universe Green Goblin. He's you know, giant, they, he's demon-like, yeah, he's yeah. crazy. Well, well, what they did that was interesting for me because, you know, in the, in the comics... You know, the ultimate Peter Parker was not way older. And, you know, so they took elements of that. Aunt May knew in the end, you know, was on his side and helping him. It was that goblin. But then they extrapolated a bit with the Mary Jane wedding. But he's happy and incorporated, you know, uh, Aunt May together. And and not to you know, jump ahead. I mean, we're going to be all over, I think, is the easiest way to do this, right? 
We yeah, all this is the geeks cave version. The spider cave, you know, which was a great way to, to demonstrate the spider buggy, which was actually in the comics, you know, in, sure. in, in original six one six, you know, but to, you know, and showcase all the different outfits, you know, with that great nod to Batman, right? Um, and, and there's a, there's a bit of Iron Man in there also, you right. know, um, and you know, and, and of course, here's Chris Pine when you see him, you know, he's blonde, which, which shook me initially because I was like, oh wait, are they going a little bit Ben Riley here? You know, but ultimately it's just the, he has that very, um, it's a, it's a, that very, uh, how do I want to put it? I don't want to say Aryan exactly, but you know what I mean? It's that, that, that classic blonde hair, blue eyed leading man idea. Yeah. He's like, he's a, he's like if Flash Thompson had become, was there Peter Parker, if Flash Thompson had become Spider-Man, he's the yeah, all American Spider-Man yeah, that everybody loves. Time, you know, so right. you know, there you go. Right. And was it played by Chris Pine? Because what's that? Did Peter Parker did was it played by the same actor as the Peter Parker no. we meet later? It was it was literally Chris yeah. Pine who played it. It's Chris Pine uh, initially, and then it's Jake Johnson is the older the older one. Right. That's awesome. Okay. So the, so the Chris Pine Spider Man is the what I call the Ultimate Universe Spider Man because it's got Miles. Miles isn't Spider Man yet. Right. And what I thought was was amazing was. Remember when we saw Spider-Man Homecoming and we agreed across the board that this was the best version of the Vulture? That's how, yeah. I, feel. That's how I feel about the Prowler in this one. What I love about this is that even in the car ride early when you get Miles being driven to school, embarrassed by his father, and you realize he doesn't want to go to the school because it's a prep school for brainiacs and he feels like he can just go to his own regular Brooklyn Academy school, um, and you get the relationship between he and his parents – the movie is so economic that even in that relationship, it's in that conversation, it's you don't want to end up like your uncle. And I'm telling myself sitting in the seat, like knowing that his uncle's no good. Um, in the comics, he's like some version of iteration of like an iron spider in the comics. But in this one, knowing that his that his uncle's a uh, 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 turns out to be a villain, I'm like, wow, that was a really great way to introduce that that the father and the uncle. Uh, are brothers, but they are not the same. They're cut from the same cloth, but they are not the same person. One is not, one has gone wrong. And when you meet his uncle later, you really get the affectionate relationship there when they go spray painting and when Miles first actually interacts with, that, with the spider uh, that bites him. Uh, everything was just so economic. The way right. the way that, that that was happening in the same building where you know these experiments are taking place how there's uh, I, I do have to say in terms of that awesome. I do have a couple little quibbles script wise little I would things. love to hear, I would love to hear them cuz I only have one quibble okay with the, well, with the script well you know they don't do a good job of making you understand really why was that spider that was able to give him those abilities I mean yes I do get that okay his uncle took him there. Oh, he knew a spot. So, yes, it makes sense. He would know that spot, right? But I didn't see any backstory explaining they're trying to recreate Spider-Man's powers or something like that, you know, that explained why that spider would give him the powers. Okay, so your, your qualm is with the fact that Alchemax, which we're seeing is working under the funding of the of the, uh, the Kingpin, we see that Alchemax is basically working on this temporal transporter universe device the 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 fact that there's a random spider in there in that we yeah we'd never touch on the 
quote-unquote spider experiment. See, here's what I inherently understood just knowing the comics. In the comics, in the Ultimate Universe, it's it's actually it's Osborn, it's Oscorp, and Peter gets it from from a spider from Oscorp. So the mm-hmm. fact that they had others, but but they don't know that. So the fact that they were experimenting other spiders, and ultimately Miles also gets it because his uncle steals one. Sure, takes it home and it ends up biting, gets out and bites Miles. Okay, so there's the connective tissue, and that was it maybe in an edit. I would think it would have been in an edit somewhere. That was missing. Yeah, I just got that there was a spider that had been hanging around the wrong place. And Alchemax, the problem is that the spider is marked. The but, spider right. has spider. It was clearly a spider from an experiment. Right. That being said, the fact that they're hanging around the Alchemax basement, the you know the sewer underneath the Alchemax building, and that they had to break in to get there. Nothing that exists in that space is going to be good. Um, no, of course, but I mean, it, there should have been some connective tissue with, with, with the two origins for that, with the same powers and everything. And in the comics, there was. Sure. So that's all I'm saying. And, and, and I suspect it was probably initially there in the script somewhere, and it got lost in an edit, but I noticed it. That's all yeah, I'm saying. No, I mean, this it, one it's a quibble, but this, it, movie, this movie just clips. What I was saying earlier about the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming version of the Vulture being the best version the Prowler here was awesome. And Prowler was great. I mean, look, I'm a Hobie Brown fan. Yeah. You know, Marvel 616. I mean, but yes, again, the idea of calling, you know, the uncle the Prowler that, that comes from the Ultimate comics before he's the Iron Spider. The Iron Spider is recent. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, that version of Iron Spider being, you know, so, yeah. Um, but But it worked. And actually, in fact... How he acts as the Prowler is more reminiscent of how he is as the Iron Spider fighting him, you know? So, uh, no, I, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. It was well done. And did um, you ever think that you were going to watch Spider-Man fight the Prowler on the big screen? Because when I saw him, you know, interrupt the fight between, quote-unquote, ultimate Spider-Man, blonde-haired Spider-Man, and, uh, and um, Norman Osborn as the ultimate green goblin when i saw the prowler come in and interrupt that fight i was like holy shit the prowler is in this movie and then later you see that like tombstones in the movie and they they just had like they just kind of opened it up beyond the traditional spider-man villains they even gave us a new variation of dr octopus yes well well not that new but sort of Um, right yeah yeah the lady octopus thing was also in in the 616 i know Uh, you know, so they, they'd done that before. Um, and uh, yeah, the for me, I mean, look, again, I know the comics so well. So the second I knew the Prowler, I knew it was his uncle. Yes. And yes. I, I knew that's what they would because, do. Because part of me is just knowing animated films and being like, that has to be a character that we know. Because this is all going to be very economic. Yes. This is all going to be very tight. Yes. Yes. And there was something very Brad Birdish about probably my my probably my favorite sequence in the movie when they're trying to steal the new uh, the new flash drive from uh from Alchemax and you discover that that the head scientist is a female of Dr. Octavius and they start running around and it was so much fun and like Miles discovering that he can cloak and then that whole sequence in the hallway and he's like I've got good news, <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's running with the computer and yeah. everything's just going to shit very quickly. Yeah. Uh, 
the way that well, they the built way, that sequence one thing was so awesome. Had, one thing we're getting ahead of is the introduction of the other Peter Parker, which I loved. Yeah. And everything about him, and because that's the thing is, granted, he's older and, you know, he's messed up with Mary Jane, but they managed to bring in this sad sack version, you know, in a really believable way, because kind of that kind of is, you know, I like when Peter's doing well, generally, though I didn't love him as a billionaire in the recent comics. Sure. But the whole down and out Peter Parker thing, you know, they took it to a really believable place. You know, and honestly, I mean, they, they kind of went a little too far with it, the idea of Peter Parker ever needing to be reminded, you know, that he has to do stuff and help and all that, you know, but still, it, I just, I really bought it. It was, it, yeah, no, it was fun. Um, and keep and in mind, the, I, I saw this movie two weeks ago, so you might have to refresh me a little bit. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I went to, I went to the, I went to the land that time forgot <laughs> between now and then I went to the Galapagos and that. Yeah. That's just, yeah, dude. You, it's like being right? in the. It's like being in the Savage Land. Um, what's that? Jurassic Park. Yeah, I went to Isla Nublar. <laughs> I mean, that isn't that exactly where it was supposed to be. Like, yeah, off the coast of Costa Rica, we were off the coast of Ecuador. We had giant lizards. It, it all works. <laughs> yeah, birds and giant lizards. Yeah, it all works. Yeah, the same for me. I, I I always prefer when we do these a little bit sooner, but you know, but but it, it comes back pretty quickly because the movie is that good. And um, I wanted to see it a second time because yeah, same here. This same one's here. maybe, maybe one we'll my, go. This one's one of my de- definite favorites. And I want to just ask: Is there a better Spider-Man movie than this? For me, there is. Well, but look, it's hard to it's hard to gauge them against Hollywood's takes on Peter Parker so far. Yeah, I mean. I really enjoy Homecoming, but emotionally, um, you know, Spider-Man 2 emotionally, you know, hit me. You know, I mean, the first one was great, you know, with Tobey Maguire. And then the second, those two movies together were really great and emotionally hit me more, you know, than this does. Even though this is a pop culture fun across the board, you know, um, yeah. they do... They do such a good job of doing the origins, you know, the old origins without doing them, you know, and, you know, and even the whole joke of, well, you know, this already, but they still tell you, you know, they tell you really quickly, you know, um, was just, I thought it was really great. And how they do it for every one of them, you know, was really good, right? Yeah. So what happens um, is as we meet new Peter, Par- new Peter Parker or Peter Porker or Gwen Stacy's is, is Spider Gwen, every time we meet a, uh, a, you know, a spider from a different universe, we get this, you know, the story. <laughs> and we, we really, I think anybody sitting in the theater really only knows Peter's story. So, right. as, so as we get more and more of them, they start just becoming ridiculous. And Peter Porker, I think would have run away with this movie with his Ren and Stimpy animation style. And oh, just so- the ridiculousness of it. If it wasn't for Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man noir, which oh. was amazing. But by the way, that's the thing. Is someone who you know, I mean, as you know, I read all all the, all the Spider-Man comics, and sure. I read all the Spider-Verse and Spider-Get, and, and and this was exactly what they do in those stories. And literally, right now, I assume you know, in in, in honestly, a, a surprising and I think unusual move by Marvel in recent years. They're currently they've been doing Spider-Get, which is basically going back into the Spider-Verse. Sure. You know, so that the synergy with this movie, Marvel hasn't done that for the non-Marvel movies, really, right? Yeah, it's so, been uh, all it's been all Thanos all the time in the Marvel universe right now. Right, but I'm saying that you know, like they they haven't helped the X Men movies and all that, you know. 
So um, it, it was interesting to me that there was some synergy there. Um, that being said, so good. The, the, they like, hey, I know you said that, but the Venom series did kind of dovetail with the Venom movie. Yeah, I, I think in that instance, that was Marvel knowing that Venom's going to get a um, you know a, a, a certain amount of attention to let them you know get some benefit from it. And, and arguably, maybe that's what they did with this. They knew this movie was going to be so good. You know, so let, let's get a little attention. If, if you if you like Spider-Verse, you'll go and pick up those comics. So so maybe it is that simple. Maybe it's not about Marvel promoting the movie, but Marvel taking advantage of the movie promoting the comics, right? Yeah, I, I mean, that's the business we live in now. And I got to tell you, I think, I'm, I think I know your rankings on Spider-Man movies, and I think I agree with you on that one, that Spider-Man 2 is just, it's so hard to top. And, I, and that Spider-Man 1 just does such a great job of, of telling that story. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming really modernizes it, make it makes it like brings Peter Parker into the you know uh, brings so, so it out brings it out of the Ditko era and which is crazy because it's the Ditko style suit, but really Spider-Man Homecoming and the stuff that they are doing in the Marvel MCU takes it out of the Steve Ditko Stan Lee era and modernizes it narratively. But this one right here gives us something with attitude that's just insane. This movie, yeah, I, I walked out of there not believing that this movie got made. It was so insane. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, honestly, you know, my, my fiancé, who, who's a writer, was just so blown away by it stylistically and everything else, you know. And she was just, like, going on and on about it. And interestingly enough, you know, we've been rewatching, well, rewatching for me the Marvel movies from the beginning because, you know, she, she has a recently nine-year-old who's been seeing them in the movies the last couple of years, but hadn't seen the early ones. So we've been watching from the beginning. She hadn't seen them. Uh-huh. And we've been up to Homecoming, and it didn't work out to see it before, so we actually watched it the next day. And she really liked it. She felt that Homecoming was, you know, it fit in well with the other Marvel movies and just was of that ilk, which is one of the things I like so much about it. It really firmly placed him in a very good way into the MCU. But, but her instant reaction was, why wasn't it Miles? Which is a little bit of a stab in the heart for me. Of course. Right, you know? right, right. But, but, you know, I mean, and I look at Homecoming, as you recall, one of the things I both liked and didn't like about Homecoming was utilizing aspects of Miles in that movie. I understood right. it as a nod and as, a, you know, sort of saying, okay, well, some of these things, we really like this idea, but we're doing Peter, and Peter is that age now. And this, that's one of the things I really like about Spider-Verse is being able to acknowledge that that's what it was and see the versions. But, you know, I mean... Here's the thing. You've heard me say this. One of my complaints about, in general, what 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 they're doing with the live action movies is, you know, in the comics, he's he's only in high school for like you know eighteen issues, like you know, or, or excuse me, you know, twenty eight issues. You know, mm-hmm. um, like it's barely anything. You know, I mean, yes, it, and it's literally like two years of the history. You know, I mean, here he is. You know, it, it's been around for what. 56 years and two years and that's what they're going to do three four movies on you know like to me the idea of spider-man being this kid in high school and by the way in those two years two and a half years whatever in those days the marvel comics actually happened in real time seems crazy now but that was an editorial directive in the 70s to slow that down well that's why you see you know, the Fantastic Four in those days, you know, fine, the, you know, the accent happens, Reed's dating Sue, they get married, they have a kid, the kid actually ages. 
Peter starts off at 15, 16, you know, and next thing you know, he's in college, he's graduated high school, all that, because it's real time. He goes from a sophomore to senior and not that many issues. Right. I didn't I didn't know that 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 in the first 10 or so years of uh, Marvel Comics that they exist in real time. That's that's a pretty interesting point. They don't call it out per se, but if you look at it, you see that it's happening that way. Characters are aging. Right. Peter goes from high school to college to, you know, honestly, even to, you know, he's, he's pretty much through college. And then they realize, you know, then obviously story-wise, it doesn't quite work, and they find a status quo, and they stay with it for a bit. But, mm. but it moves pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you so think going... about it like this. By the time you get to issue 121 of Amazing Spider-Man, so it's only 10 years, right? Yes. Um, you know, he's been in college a long time. You know, with Miles Warren, and he's involved with Gwen and all that stuff, right? And he, there's not even a question in your mind that he's an adult. I mean, Flash went off to Vietnam, like, you know, what? Like, I think I, I, think I want to say it's like the issues like 60s or 70s, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, question. Uh, the treatment of the kingpin in this movie. Wait, before you go there, so what yes. I was going to say because was... Because because after Miles gets bit... He goes back to figure out what the, the whole sequence of Miles discovering his powers and climbing around his new school is is hilarious. Oh, it's great. Um, well, but, thing I wanted to say about Homecoming in relation to to this movie was that sure. the one of the elements that they used in Homecoming um, was the idea of Genki, whom they called Ned for an unfathomable reason. Yes. You know, but but and so I love the Genki Miles relationship. But so it was an interesting choice, and I think a, an unfortunately necessary choice for this movie to not do it. They gave him a, a Genki like roommate. Yeah, the roommate's there. He didn't look. But the same. he, you don't even talk to him. Yeah. You know, you I barely felt, get a, you barely get a chance to know to know the roommate. Yeah. I, but, I felt at the end it's implied that that's where it's going. Sure. But you know, but but literally, you know, in Homecoming, it's straight up the relationship. That Miles has with Genki, who is his roommate at you know at Visions Academy, you know in the comics, um, and it's fine. It worked out, you know, and it helped him feeling that that loner thing a bit more. Right. The other the other classmate that he meets really early on is Gwen, right. and he ends up having her shave the side of her head. Yeah, that that was great, you know, and it. it it, the, the, all the little relationship stuff and the, the awkwardness and all that was so good. And by the way, I, I don't know if you know that, you know, post Spider-Verse, they did a little bit of a romance between Miles and, yeah. and Gwen 65. Yeah. So, so, so that, that was the nod to that. What I'm saying here is the little bit of a quibble that um, the, the older flubbed out Peter Parker that we get to beat Peter Porker, Manga Spider-Man and Spider-Noir and, and these characters get pulled into this universe once this um, showdown with uh, the Kingpin's you know, universe jumping device gets activated but Gwen is already in the universe she's already yeah. now there's a time travel aspect to some of the portals right and so, so we think or either that that was something that was unclear to me was that she's that she ended up at the school weeks, months before she had to be there. And yeah. and if pulling her into another universe 
will kill her for a prolonged period of time. But How is she able to that the effect that, that Peter did, right? What's that? It didn't seem like it was affecting her as much, right? Right, right. Because yeah. Peter's in there only a short time, and the and his body starts to pull apart. Right. And Gwen and the thing is, there it, for weeks. It, it can't be from earlier experiments, because the whole point was the Spider-People pulled in because the, that universe of Spider-Man went through, right? So, so my sense of it was that it, you know, the portal pulled them in at different times. Because mm-hmm. by the way, when once you get there, you realize they've all been there a while. Spider Ham's already there. Noir's already there. Sure. So, um, and I think the idea is that they were drawn to each other. So, but but it did seem like Gwen was already at the academy before Miles got bit, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so small, another small quibble on my part. It's, it's funny how I love these movies, but when I'm talking to you about them, I start to get small quibbles. Uh, the, the, the fact that the Kingpin is the villain in this movie, I love so much. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they gave him a tragedy, I I just love so much. Um, and, and Geeks gave us, if you're listening to this episode, know that there's an Aquaman episode coming after this and we're going to talk about the tragedies that they give those villains in that episode as well um and uh and and this one it it just worked really well because kingpin had a great goal as far as villain goals go to find an alternate universe where his wife and kid were still alive or vanessa who's like you know who here's a question for you does kingpin love vanessa more than thanos loves death (laughs) <laughs> or or Doctor Doom or Doctor Doom loves his way, mom like like but, who loves who most <laughs> and you know e- even this concept was somewhat lifted from the Spider Man two um, miniseries that Bendis recently did which was the original Spider Man men series w- was a big part of of the start of what where this movie came from which was when there was still a separate Ultimate Universe and regular Marvel Universe and Peter Parker from the, the normal Marvel Universe, went over and found that he was dead there. So it's very much the, the whole scene of, you know, of the, the, the older Peter Parker lifted from Spider-Man, the first sure. miniseries. In Spider-Man 2, because they'd left this idea, but wait, was there a Miles Morales in the 616, which is the normal Marvel Universe, right? And they explored who that was, and he basically had this story in trying to get to his family. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, you know, he, he did. But th- that's exactly what that was about. So that that's where that storyline comes from. No, I, I I thought that giving Kingpin like a strong goal like that was something that just was par for the course on how great some of the treatment has been of these characters. I think Sony Animation is the greatest department that Sony's got going for them right now, and yeah. and it's just the, the guys. Um, the team that put this movie together was just awesome. And uh, and I love those nods. I love the fact that I get to see a movie with Tombstone and the Prowler in it. I love that, you know, I, I was waiting for Fancy Dan and the Enforcers. I was waiting for those guys yeah. to show up. And I'm still yeah. waiting for those guys to show up in a movie because they're great Spider-Man villains. And I think that they could fit in a movie like this a lot better than in a live action. You know, if you're going to have a boomerang show up and start messing around with Spider-Man, let's have him in the animated version yeah, rather well, than in a, in a narrative where, or in the live action where he's just going to look silly. 
Well, by the way, you know, that's the thing is they do such a good job with the animation of you know, the action of it, you know, and the sense of the powers. You know, this, so, by the way, this movie, so many great call outs to all the Spider-Man movies that came before. Yes. Very, very, very aware of that, particularly, I thought, of those first couple of Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi movies. Uh, in the dancing sequence in Spider-Man 3. Yeah, the dancing sequence, the origin stuff, the miles on the rooftop. Yeah, you know, and like, and, where where and he wants to make the jump? Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 fully right out of that first Spider-Man movie, didn't you feel? Yeah, no, absolutely. They were playing with the Raimi movies being something that people who watch this movie will have seen multiple times, and we're going to give you a funnier and uh, more hilarious, you know, fun, just a more hilarious version of that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and with Miles, who has this insecurity to him that um, is the really the crux of the movie is Miles getting over this lack of self-confidence that he can do it. You know, when he joins the Visions Academy, he's a smart kid. And I love that scene where his teacher gives him a zero and says, hey, to have failed this without a single question right would have meant that you knew every single one of the right answers and avoided them on purpose. And then she turns into a hundred and says, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you fail out of here. You're going to have yeah. to write me a, a report. And, um, and, and it was really smart writing like that, that showed us just who miles was. And it, you know, it's one thing for a character to say, I don't believe in myself. It's another thing for a character when you're writing a script to be displaying that actively. And that was a great way to have him displaying that actively. Um, yet in the situation of, high school and the threat of having to drop out or the, or the threat of having to balance those responsibilities and his Spider-Man power is starting to develop, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what I loved about that scene in particular was actually just how good a school it is. And it's something that at home we deal with a bit because, um, Dashiell, my, my fiance's son, um, you know, goes to a, a, a special school as you know, Spider-Man powers. Um, I mean, maybe he does. We'll see. <laughs> you have to train him. <laughs> but um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, the idea of a teacher teacher really getting it and and not letting the student get in his own way and really you know being that sensitive to it. You know, at a public school, that would never happen. No, they just flunk him. Really good luck. Yeah, I I really appreciate that scene. I thought that was really great. Um, so so now you've got a bunch of stuff going. On in this movie they've you know there's a there's a flash drive that is being used to stop this um this collider that is combining universes or accessing other universes that will probably destroy the earth uh if they by the way they they, 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 such a good job of that joke about there's always the thing you know what do you mean yeah because the flash drive it's the MacGuffin, right yeah 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 you know they, they, they did some really clever jokes about that you know about yeah. MacGuffin and having the thing, you know, and oh, you know, I mean, it was just how it breaks, how they break yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, the, the script, the script, the movie—it's so smart. It's on so many levels, and that's the thing. I think the best animated movies, you know, aren't just for kids, and they're smart enough that kids get it, but adults get it on different levels. And this movie is says is that in every way imaginable. So, you know? Ian. You and I had seen a part of this movie before, and that was in the post-credit sequence in from Venom. And that, your other pick that, for it, best movie, right? What's that? That was your other pick for among best, best film. Movie. Yeah, 
I forget that Venom happened, but but remember when we remember when we sat through the animated sequence that they tacked onto the end of Venom to yeah. cleanse your palate from having seen Venom, and it just didn't work for us at all. Yeah, off of, off of Venom, it didn't work. And we're watching it, and it wasn't funny. It wasn't working for us. We weren't excited by it. It felt random. It felt annoying. We just, yeah. you know, and then and then you watch that same sequence here in context. And it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It, Absolutely it fantastic. just, it, it just, it drove me nuts that they put it on the end of Venom. Well, I don't know even know why I'm mentioning it. Yeah, I mean, by the way, like, that's, that's just it. You know, for me, of course, Peter Parker's my Spider-Man. I love Miles. I couldn't love Miles more, you know, but it's still, it's Peter. Peter Spider-Man. And, and when, when, you know, when that older Peter shows up, because it, it's so heartbreaking to see Peter die. You know, and obviously, you know, going to movie, we knew this was going to happen. We've seen enough to know that he trains him and all that, you know, and the sad sack version, you know. And I mean, it, it, it's great because you you could see that he's that quippy Spider-Man, you know. Yes. Uh, and when but when Kingpin kills ultimate Spider-Man, blonde haired Spider-Man. Yeah. It still came as a shock. It was still yeah. hardcore. I was still like, oh, this movie's going there. Yeah. And, and then later on, you see Kingpin kill Miles' uncle. Right as Miles' uncle is realizing that Miles is Spider-Man, yeah. who the Kingpin is asked to have brought in, and that, that's a really touching scene too because it leads right into the brother realizing that his brother was a villain. Yeah, well, and that's a great scene. Yes, and 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 shades of past Spider-Man stuff of Spider-Man getting blamed for it too. It's a nice nod. To, to that, you know, in yeah, the Gwen, Captain Stacy, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gwen sort of blames him for the death of a father. So that, I thought that was a really nice nod. By the way, speaking of the father as a cop, that's my other quibble in the movie. Um, they live in Brooklyn. He's seemingly, you know, uh, on duty there. And it seems like he goes to every borough and every call in every borough. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. That, that, that stuff. That stuff just feels like, you know what? That's, you get away with it because you're on Pixar yeah. level right now. That's you're working, right. you're, you, you know, so I gave this, I gave this movie so many passes on things like that and the Gwen hey, stuff just because it was on a, peck, it was a on a Pixar level. Yeah. I had just seen Wreck-It Ralph about a week earlier. I'd seen the, the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph and I was like, this is a great movie. I love Wreck-It Ralph, too. And I was like, this is easily going to be the animated movie of the year, even though I'd been hearing so much about Spider-Verse. Having seen Spider-Verse, this is the best animated movie of the year. And it, it, it what it does to push animation forward stylistically is phenomenal. The The way that they integrated all those different styles and the way that instead of just doing, like, let's let's a, let's imitate a shallow focus look when a character, we want to add depth to a sequence or to a shot by putting some of the shot in out of focus. They didn't just do that. They didn't just put part of the shot in out of focus. They put some of the shot in two dimension or they put it in a, in a, in a dot matrix look that made it look like it was out of a, a newsprint a comic book, you know, or something like that. They, they, they took stuff that was supposed to be out of focus and actually made it a different style. So the shots felt like they were these insane collages that were moving at such a high pace that this movie is it just insane. It, it, the fact they made this movie, it, it takes so many risks. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Could you, I mean, people were talking, we were talking about it yesterday. 
just here in Austin, some friends that are that are geeks and I, and they were like, "Could you imagine that movie High?" <laughs> I was like, "No, that movie would make you crazy." But that's just it. I mean, you know, you, you have to wonder, right? Like we, we talk about this so much, and you know, obviously, we thought Venom was atrocious. It's made so much money. You know, and it's definitely the sequel. And you have to wonder, did Sony go, you know what? Screw it. I mean, what are we doing here? Let's just go for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, could you imagine someone deciding to make this movie? Yes, but they are in Sony Animation, which is a really kick-ass place to make stuff. Like, Sony Animation is really uh, rocking. And whoever's over there is just kicking ass. And they got three directors on this film or, or three writers at least i think they may have had three the, the writers, writers on it and they're just the killing movie, it right? what's that the writers are the, the writers of the lego movie yeah uh one of them is okay only one okay yeah but also you know yeah. but, no, you talk, but we can also talk about solo no okay because <laughs> also involved in these solo films mm-hmm but that is what it is it kind of makes you wonder what would happen what would have happened to solo if they would have just said, you know what, do what you want with it. It's going to be loud. It's going to be obnoxiously weird. And it's going to be crazy. Go, look, go for it. And then, look, it, like, this is the kind of flavor that I feel like that's, that movie needed. Jonathan, here, here's the, my bottom line on Solo is I like Solo as a movie. It just was never necessary. And it never, it never, Solo as a movie never gets past the, the, the fact that it was never a necessary movie. You literally like, what's the draw of the movie, right? No. My problem is that it actually hurts the character. Uh, not, not, I, I don't even think that the movie. Yeah, I agree with you that the movie doesn't shouldn't like it was unnecessary. It's actually detrimental to me that you took a character and made him safer than you'd already made him in something like the special editions, mm-hmm. where where this character got watered down to the fact where he's not the son of you know he's not the risk taking son of a bitch. You didn't take him to a, a dark place. Where he where he learns to shoot first by making a sacrifice, you know. There's no risks taken at all in this movie. I'm mm-hmm. okay with the movie being unnecessary, as long as it takes some risks and does some things narratively that are surprising and fun, that at least try to justify its existence. It didn't do that. But going back to Spider Verse, this movie takes all the risks. Yeah, it kills Peter Parker within ten minutes. It gives you a Spider-Man that most audience members don't have any relationship with and then um, very quickly and economically and masterfully gives you a, a reason to care about him and puts and, and doesn't do it by, by giving him tragedy. Hey, I, I, Just I got to give some attitude you. and fun. I, I got a risk for you, and, and you've probably heard me say this, you know, my, my New York Jew roots. It made him Jewish, Peter Parker. It did make him Jewish, but Bendis had made him Jewish before that. Uh, I don't recall Bendis ever doing it. Yes, yes, he did. At least in the Ultimate Universe. Um, I remember it being a thing. Uh, I I remember, I think, and and if you're going to go back and look, I would look at the issues where... Would that be the No, I I would make, I would say, I would look at Ultimate Peter Parker when he he collaborated with the Ultimate X-Men because there was a Kitty Pride Peter Parker thing going on there. With the okay, with the that. fact that they're both Jewish, yeah, okay, I that, that is. I, I, I distinctly remember in Bendis's run, uh, Peter Parker being Jewish. Well, I, well the point the point being, and you and know, no, knowing problem with God, I don't know if all I don't know if all all the listeners would appreciate this, but you know, you know, I mean, 
let's acknowledge certain stereotypes, you know, and besides the fact of who the creators were, is the idea that, you know, this nebbishy, you know, geeky, nerdy kid from Queens, you know, guilt-ridden, you know, yeah, oh. of course, the creator, Stanley, you know, and, um, you know, I, I mean, being from Forest Hills, Queens, guilt-ridden as he is with his frail aunt, you know, and, and all the things like, you know, and even just what he looks like, I mean, is he's such a Jewish stereotype, and yet they just never happen to say he's Jewish, you right. know? Um, by the way, they rarely did it all with any characters back then, even when they more or less were, you know, that's only in, in more recent years that they, they came out and would say that, you know, but so, so for the sake of that, I mean, the fact that they actually went there, but by the way, I, I would almost argue that you don't see it in the Chris Pine version, but in the Jake Johnson one, you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, keep in mind, we've got nebbishy, doughy dweebs in every uh, race and creed, you know, and uh, that one was definitely one of those versions. It was pretty awesome. Of course. Uh, what a mess he was. But then he not only is it a mess, though, but he turns around and he's willing to sacrifice himself so that Miles doesn't have to put himself in danger when it comes time to stop the Collider the second time and final time. Because of course time. he does. Yeah, but he still finds that reason to be a Spider-Man. And I thought that that was a really great handling. And that whole sequence where... They're leading up to having to go shut it down. All the Spider-Verse characters post-Spider-Cave have agreed that this is the course of action. Uh, and the, how they kind of freeze Miles out was just really well done. And it, you know, and then when Miles' father comes to the door, that was beautiful. That Miles' father comes to the door and tells him about his uncle and knows yeah. Miles is on the other side of the door, doesn't know that Miles as Spider-Man is on the other side of the door, just knows that yeah. Miles is on the other side of the door, and he's talking to him as his son. I love that scene. And, amazing, he, amazing. And, and he talks to him as his son, and hearing what he had to say, Miles finds his ability and becomes yeah. Spider-Man and goes to the rescue, which was totally needed because they and, were up Shit's Creek. And, and, you know, what, what's great about that, too, just you know, the humanity of this movie is this notion of, you know, because, you, you know, you see it early on when the, when the father's dropping him off and doesn't want to say I love you. It's that the adolescent thing is getting a little, you know, he's growing apart, you know, and having those issues, you know, and, and, fi and the father finding the way to bridge that and talking, you know, it's like that relationship and those parents are exactly what you want parents to be, right? Mm -hmm. There was some real shit in this movie, and I really enjoyed it, um, which... I think we're at 45 minutes now, so I wanted to start talking about the final action sequence, which is what had my quibble. Okay, go um, And I love the final action sequence. I, I love how these Spider-Verse characters are, are starting to get taken apart, leading to Miles having to come in and save the day. I, you know, you've got a, the minor tragedy of the uh, uh, robots, Mecha Spider, starting to get taken apart, and I love... Just how that like really badly drawn, you know, Korean manga style <laughs> to that character, and then how, and I love how the little spider climbs out of it and is still alive, so you can make another machine, yeah, uh, and, and live in the future. But um, I uh, I love the action sequence, and I love how it all comes down to Miles coming in, saving the day, and sending everybody back. Um, I feel like the sequence starts to get away from itself and it starts to just uh, the, the it starts to just kind of move away from any rules of physics and obviously there's a reason for that the universe is starting to split but 
where was that hatch? When we go back to talking about the thing, and I mean the hard, the the, the little hard drive, the the thumb drive that needs to be inserted, and then the button to be pushed. Yeah, I had no idea how close or far away from that button uh, Miles was at any time when he's fighting the kingpin, which is kind of how you build the tension. Is he gets close and then he gets pulled away from it right before he can press the button, or yeah. you know he's so far away from the button there's no way he's going to be able to do it or they're fighting on this thing and this thing gets between them the idea that, that the button is the goal and they're fighting uh in varying distances and in, in, in obstacles from that goal uh made it really a, a way too fluid and loose sequence where i didn't really feel a whole lot of tension other than there was some insane visual craziness happening in front of my face so ultimately when the kingpin is pounding on Miles at the end, and you feel like Miles is going to die in the same way that that we saw the kingpin already kill the first Peter Parker. Uh, and Miles's father is witnessing it, whether or not he knows it's Miles or not, he's witnessing it. Um, and but Miles is 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 going down, and then when Miles finally stands up again and strikes the kingpin towards the button to hit the button, I never saw Miles acknowledge that the button was there, and I never saw. And it just felt very convenient that he punches the kingpin into the button, which in the when the rules kind of went out the window, the button could have been anywhere. Yeah, I see your point. And that that was like, oh, well, that was a little too easy. It didn't uh, take me out, but, but I see it. I mean, yeah. I remember something similar, you know. Yeah. It didn't feel as impressive as it needed to be. Okay. And, and that kind of bummed me out there after the after the movie had literally done everything right for me. <laughs> but you know what? It was a it, it, it's the climactic ending that you want. He defeats the kingpin. He saves the multiple spider verses and uh, and has one last "I love you" sequence with his dad, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. And things are right, and we can move on to another film. Like, yeah, the, the, the movie does it all. I mean, it, it's really great. <laughs> I was so blown away by the fact that this movie existed. I think I immediately went to Twitter. You may have read it or went to Facebook or something. I was like, I can't believe this movie exists. It's incredible. <laughs> and I don't know one person who's disagreed with that statement. This, Same. Hey, man, we lived in a year where we finally got a Black Panther film. We finally got an Aquaman movie. We got, well, we got, we, we got, we got, we got no. arguably the best Marvel movie ever in Infinity War, and we got Venom. But we got these great movies, and here comes, here comes Spider-Verse to kind of pull the rug out from all of them and maybe claim the title as best superhero movie of 2018. This one was awesome. Yeah, I agree. And Spend there will be carnage. <laughs> there will be carnage. Yeah, well, we can always joke about it, a sequel to Venom. Will there be a sequel to Spider-Verse? I mean, I, I, I don't see how there could not be. I don't know what I what I want the plot to be, though, you know? Like, you know, do, do you want, you know, another Spider-Verse? But, I mean, you kind of do, right? It's yeah, but, but how do you avoid the rules of... I like the idea of another Spider-Verse, but how do you avoid the rules of all these different Spider-People, which I guess you just ratchet up the number of Spider-People, and they all have to go back to their universes very quickly. I think that we can avoid the Spider-Verse plot, as long as we just have another Miles movie. Well, that's just it. I would love another Miles movie, but I feel like just the way the, the movie making works, they feel the need to go back and bring him back, don't you? 
Um, yeah, bringing back the Peter Parker that we love, the Peter Porker that we love. That's how animated movies work, for sure. You you want to see those characters that you love yeah. for the first one back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, if, um, if it weren't animated, it'd be different. But as an animated movie, I think we'd definitely go back and do Spider-Verse again. Okay, so do you yank Miles out of the Ultimate Universe and just send him spinning through the Spider-Verse, and he's now got to get back home? Th- that might make more sense to put Miles out out into it, which which they've done. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they did in the animated series, by the way. Okay, and now he's now he's 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 spinning loose through the various Spider Verses and has to find a way to get back before yeah. new villain does this and that. Yeah, yeah. I love how obscenely misshapen and huge the Kingpin was. Oh, he's great. <laughs> His face is tiny, and the person next to me was like, "Is that the Kingpin?" I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> yeah. That's the kingpin, and it's fucking awesome in how expressive it is. Uh, so we love Spider Verse. It's definitely a top five movie of 2018 for me. Is it better oh, than? Yeah. Did I enjoy it more than Infinity War? I don't know. They're hard to compare, but I'm glad yeah, they both have Spider Man in them. I'm I'm glad they both have my favorite character in them. Um, so do you want to wrap it up and then, um, and, and that's that, my friend, anything else you want to add on Spider-Verse? Um, you know, ju- just that it's, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it and you were listening to this, well, I don't know why anyone would do that. Because... <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that people. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. I, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it does everything right. It was, it was a revelation. It was for all the, as you said, for all the positive reviews, it was still, a pleasant surprise yeah and, and honestly i've been hearing good things about it all along like way back in production and yet i still was you know i was you know i was hopeful you know but i never i, I don't think i ever could have believed it was this good you yeah. know and did such a good job of you know not being embarrassed of what it came from paying homage to the comics the stanley cameo was amazing mm-hmm. you know it's just it was a great great movie well, there you have it. Geeks gave us. Ian has spoken, and uh, we all know better than to doubt what Ian says. Uh, it is fact now. Um, we are going to uh, keep subscribing to the Geekscape feed because we are going to be rocketing back into making some regular podcasts in 2019. And pretty soon on the on the feed, we're going to get another one. We're going to get the uh, Aquaman special that Ian and I are about to record, all about um, Warner Brothers newly released. Aquaman movie with Jason Momoa. Uh, <laughs> can it salvage the current Justice League iteration? You will find out what Ian and I think if you subscribe to that episode. Pull down that episode. Share it with your friends. If you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoyed uh, Spider-Verse, please subscribe to Geekscape. We've got a ton of podcasts up on the website. And uh, this one that Jonathan does for you right here and now on this feed uh, is going to have a ton more episodes coming up here in the near future and um i'll only do it if you subscribe so subscribe and share with your friends and we'll keep going for 12 more years so for ian kerner the man that i started this podcast with 12 years ago um thank you uh subscribe leave a review and we will catch you on the next one you're listening to the geekscape network 